This week's conversation picks up from last week's. Um, we hope you had a chance to listen, but if not, this conversation will stand on its own. Uh, and as always, we thank you for listening. What did I want to say, though? Um, was was something you were saying, Stephen, about... Um, what was the last thing you were saying? Sorry. What was the last thing I was saying? Um, um, about hobbled how American media's um, Democrats have responded to Republicans. That's yeah, the right. That's yeah. right. Uh, what I want to add to this is that within the art scene, I am starting to, well, I've been um, for a while now, uh, skeptical of some of the claims that have been made, especially around ideas of, so this again happens within the arena of uh, social media, uh, mm-hmm. particularly Twitter. People using the word trauma to describe damn near everything, like trauma and mm-hmm. violence, like blah, 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 blah happened the other day. And that's a kind of violence. And I want to say, maybe not, like maybe that wasn't like the woman um, cutting in front of you at the grocery store to get in, to get uh, ahead of you in the queue wasn't really a kind of violence. Uh, yes, it is rude. And yes, it is mean spirited, but the point is, within the art circles, there is mm-hmm. a kind of um, there is a kind of um, vocabulary that is mm-hmm. developing that uh, that sort of brooks no opposition. So, uh, it's there's the, the same degree to which I think. Um, people who describe themselves as conservatives use their language to signal to other conservatives that they're on mm-hmm. the same sort of right. ideological path. Um, I find in the art scene, uh, people mm-hmm. using certain terms, BIPOC, you know. Um, what is Trump, BIPOC? Um, black indigenous people of color. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh black I, I, so I, I had heard, but I didn't know that's okay. So BIPOC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. BIPOC. Um, um, this, this phrase, nothing about us that doesn't, uh, that isn't include us or something like that. Am, am I getting it right? Um, Stephen, have you heard this phrase? If you're not for us, you're against us. I mean, that kind no, of, no, 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 no. Been... It's not that one. It's the, it's the one like nothing about us. So basically I had, mm. um, edited a piece written by someone who worked in the Canadian Arts Institution. And he talked mm-hmm. in the piece, yeah, David Balzer, I think his name is, he takes apart the history of his own involvement as a director, I think, in this, um, executive director in this um, organization, and looks at the structure of arts philanthropy in, mm-hmm, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. why, and, and it tries to explain, so, teasing apart, how his own history as, as this, uh, executive director intersected with these structures, right? Um, mm-hmm. he tried to tease apart why it is that issues that are important to BIPOC folks doesn't, don't get foregrounded in these mm-hmm. uh, cultural mm-hmm. and arts organizations. And one of the comments we got back, which I eventually responded to very carefully because my boss, Rag, um, wanted, was, was, wanted to treat this with a, a lot of respect, probably more than mm-hmm. I would have. Um, one of the comments we got back was, this guy is totally wrong. He's not centering people who of color who have been working on these issues for years. Um, how dare he write something about us and not include us? And on and on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my, my, my genuine response was, that's not what he's arguing. He's not a hero 
narrative. Uh huh. He's talking about structure. He's talking mm-hmm. about how certain kinds of philanthropic organizations are set up to get money to do so and so in such a way. And, and they, uh, gather money to do these big galas to attract money for other causes. And then this is how the money com- comes in. And this is how it gets funneled through the museum, the organization. So he's talking really about structural issues. And the other person, I guess is a, per- I guess it was a person of color, couldn't get past that he wasn't centering BIPOC people in this, in this, um, analysis. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's, it's just dumb. It's just mm-hmm. short-sighted and dumb. Um, so you picked up on a couple things. One is this idea of misusing words, right? That actually come out of a, a com- different kinds of communities that have been developed in this language to, to one, be more visible, to be mm-hmm. more um, mm-hmm. engaged about what's happening with a particular kind of person, but also like inter- intersectionality is used way mm-hmm. overused, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it also mm-hmm. wasn't original with Kimberly Crenshaw. She was able to, through her platform and who her thinking, refine this thought. But it was something right. that other people have been working on since the 50s right. and 60s, right? Right. So, and then it's also, if I hear you right, they're weaponizing these misuse of the word. Mm-hmm. Or reading a situation and not being able to think about what the the piece is, which cracks me up with mm-hmm. satire. Like I was trying to read this Dear States We're Leaving as satire. Mm-hmm. And so people miss things, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of missing. In mm-hmm. the, um, and it's very teenage, right? Isn't a teenager to try to use big words or big mm-hmm. concepts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to try to... It's, so it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with Teenage Nation. It feels like for you really to do work... It's not, as Travis put pointed out earlier, it's not the platform, it's how you use it, mm. it's, you know, and, it, and, and the engagement with it. But if you're using it to just get fans or people to agree with you, you never get what tra- what you're going to say, which is, or not what you're going to say, but what I'm assuming is being able to tease apart and say, this is actually what they were talking about. Mm. Here's an example. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for your comment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have a mm-hmm. nice day. Hopefully you'll hear this. Mm-hmm. And, because, and, I, and we did that. And that's precisely mm-hmm. what, bec- and I, I say we because Harag and I and another editor, Jasmine, crafted my response oh, okay. together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, my, I don't know, well, Travis has pointed this out that I tend to be a lot more, um, Unnuanced on social media. I also tend to be unnuanced <laughs> in my responses to people on the mm-hmm. hypoallergic website. <laughs> and so okay. I, well. I can, I kind of came out with guns blazing and they were like, uh, okay, we need to dial this back. We need to dial this back. <laughs> Scratch that, delete that, move that here. Uh, I, 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 I really don't deal well with intellectual dishonesty wherever yeah. I find it. Mm, um, yeah, I, okay. I, I just don't respond well to that. And yes, I think your, your, your analysis is spot on, Stephen, that misuse of words and the weaponization of certain terms in order to really just gin up mm-hmm. anger mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and resentment and, and energy. I mean, you know, misunderstanding at the core yeah. of it, misunderstanding. Yeah. 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 But, I, but I think what people are doing, are really trying to do is just recruit um, a kind of, a kind of certain, or recruit people who have a certain kind of energy that they want to bring to the, to the, to the, to the fight. Mm. And, yeah. and I, yeah, I mean, the older I get, the more I, I think, I'm not sure I need to show up for this with a, with a pitchfork. 
and a torch. Yeah. Like I'm, I might, maybe other tools. Show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think there is something, um, you know, what do teenagers do? Like what, what is the modus operandi for most teenage, you know, groups like high schools things like that right not not every single teenager obviously there are plenty of exceptions belonging yeah yeah exactly belonging and sorting themselves into groups and Mm -hmm. then coming up with modes of dress and 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 linguistic codes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. comportments to signal that they belong to one group and not another group Mm -hmm. and and to Mm -hmm. define themselves by those boundaries Mm -hmm. and and I really feel like this is the primary result of social media use in the United mm. States mm. And, and maybe in the world. I mean, I don't know, but, but that it, it, it effectively is, it's allowing people, it, it it's giving, it's elevating adolescent tendencies mm. to, to sort of elevations of seriousness that it does not belong and does not survive in and ends up, contorting and 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 really coarsening mm. what should be a much slower more thoughtful more engaged process which is mm. engaging. we don't have time I'm, we don't have time yeah. we don't have time yeah. we don't have time yeah. that's social media <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree yeah, with you. some right. things need to stew yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. I, I like the pro- process of stuff taking down da- taking it down because it's like this doesn't represent this is not the forward-facing, you know, I have some mm. things to think about. So I thought that was really a great moment. I'm glad you said that, you know, on the podcast, yeah. because mm. give yourself a fucking breath. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get mad at something, why are you getting mad? You know, mm-hmm. what does so, it signify? But here's, mm-hmm. And I completely agree with you, but how is that now, How when people take things down, how is that read now? Now that's read as a retreat. You're not given any, you're not given any quarter for that. You're, there's no quarter for like, oh, I... I took this down, but it, like it's just glossed over. Like, oh, they took the they took it down, but then you know, mm-hmm. let's stay on what wh- how this person misspoke. Let's stay right. on how this yes. person messed up. You let's can stay if you're on. in if you're interested in engagement, and clearly stuff was yeah, you know, oh. with us, but not with the people that he put. How, how many hits did you get? Seth, well, do you remember? I, I got. I got a lot of, I, I would say something around 65, 70 people like responded in some way, you know, the thumbs up or the caring. Or or that yeah. feels like the a emoji. lot. Is that, that tears. seems like a lot of responses. Is that a lot mm-hmm. for, or is that not a lot for? Well, it depends. Uh, like for, for me on Facebook, um, it seems I have a much more robust following than I do on Twitter. I've, I've posted stuff, generally stuff that's really good news. Like, oh, I won this prize mm-hmm. or, oh, I got mm-hmm. this thing. And I've had like, close to a thousand people respond, like 900 okay. people respond. That's the, that's the upper end. Um, most okay. of the stuff I, I post, like maybe 15, 20, you know, 30, okay. maybe. Mm-hmm. But on this one, because it was so, mm, I'm doing the knife twisty you know, motion mm-hmm. with my hand. <laughs> um, I think I had something like 20, 25 comments. So people mm. commented, people had shit to mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And then like 60 or 70 uh, emoji responses. And some of the people, there was one named Jake, Jacob Dreyer responded to me and said, I just don't understand this. Like, blah, blah, blah. I come from a, uh, from a blue state, but it's not included here. And I just, just, just seems, basically he was saying that this is just seems wrong to him. And mm-hmm. I was, I replied, I said, you're right. And that's why I'm taking it down. And another person named Wagner, who I haven't met yet, but we've been corresponding on Facebook for probably mm-hmm. years now. Mm-hmm. And we were supposed to meet at this, um, 
whatchamacallit, CAA uh, conference that was supposed to take place this past spring, but didn't. And he said something like, yeah, this is just the wrong thing. It just makes everybody resentful. And this is just, and I was like, yeah, you're right. And, and reading those two comments plus what had been mm-hmm. percolating in my head made me think like, yeah, this is not representative at all of the way I think. And it's not mm-hmm. helpful. Like, it's just not fucking helpful. So here's the thing. I appreciate you saying that. I just think me it's too. the, pl- I mean, not to, not to go to harp on it, but I think, I feel like it's the platforms. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. how can, can either one of you, and I don't, Stephen, I don't know, do you consume social media a lot? Are you on social I see, media? I, I mean, see Stephen a lot. No, no, I know Stephen, you post and I do, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and you post beautiful, uh, I mean, you're, you're, your eye for photography is exceptional. Yeah, uh, and so and and so I do know you you post things, but I, that doesn't mean that you necessarily consume a lot. Like you might throw something on and then you know like go your own way. So do you consume a lot of social media? So I, I, like Travis, I don't get a lot of interaction on Twitter. I get mostly on Facebook, and I have mm. a lot of family on Facebook. So it's really great for me to connect with my family members. Mm. Do I consume a lot of it? Not really, but I need to think about that. I, I think that I'm more of a poster. Like I, I used to get a lot of like links to to smart articles from smart friends, right? Not mm. so much anymore. Not so much anymore. And Twitter, um, the people I connect with are largely information specialists. You know, they're librarians, they're archivists, or people mm-hmm. working in the same, you know, fields that I'm interested in and so forth. I think I consume more articles and I consume I I'm on social media. Let me, I wanted to start here and I just got, I ran over myself in my brain. And that is social media is a means to an end in terms of promoting what I do, connecting folks to the Nomadic Archivist sure. Project. Sure. And so I feel I have a piece I'm writing right now called Quitting the Internet. And I talk about my own sort of social media presence, but also why it's not really social media that I need to quit. It's a certain kind of behavior associated with it. Mm. And so. And so um, I do consume more Facebook than Twitter. Instagram I like because it's just generally images. And I like mm-hmm. you know, circulating images and things that I'm interested in. And also I, I watch other people and I try to like, wow, how does she get the light in that or the color mm-hmm. you know, to, to pop like that? That's interesting mm-hmm. to me. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm not looking at, oh, my God, such and such looks so old to be 49. You know, there's some of that, too. <laughs> it's just less so because yeah. I'm more concerned about where I put my attention. Where do I put my attention and whether or not I'm going to be fed or challenged in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mind sometimes watching the, um, what do you call it, Fox News or this other stuff because I'm like, what, what do I really think about this? Mm-hmm. Let me stand foot, you know, flat footed and just pay attention. Not all the time, of course, because that's just, mm-hmm. you know, painfully not good. For yeah, you're soul. not a masochist. Yeah. But, but, no, maybe, but let me, let me ask the question. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is there a place for us as adults where we get to be kids, where we get to be juvenile and it's not the sort of agon of the political ideological arena? I mean, is it, is it, I mean, maybe it's sex. I mean, maybe it's or if you have children. And as you, a community thing or like somebody doing something like a gamer? Like, what are you? Well, I guess what I'm asking is where are the places in the culture where mm. we get to be juvenile and not have it be 
so I can bad <laughs> if I if I can if I can tweak the question. I mean, and I'm happy mm. to go back to the direct question, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not even that in politics there's no room for the juvenile. I mean, adolescence does have some advantages. Oh, absolutely. There is something fundamentally adolescent about a Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream" speech. The idea, right. the idea that in a country so shot through with uh, a white settler dominant ideology, you know, mm-hmm. in its founding, in its institutions, and all the rest of it, the very notion that we could, that black children and white children could, could be treated the same within that, within those institutions, is in a sense, a kind of adolescence, like why can't we all get along, sort of thing. Is it but imagination, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. So, so the, no, no, no. So because I, don't, I want I'm to pull not, that I'm into not, the adult thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. If 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 I'll just run my thought to the end, mm-hmm. and and that adolescence is in fact, it's magnificent. It's it's mm-hmm, an mm-hmm. indispensable part in creating a better version of the world, because at some point you have to, in order to create movement you do have to boil complex things down into sort of manichean manageable bites for people to to make moral progress right like martin luther king wasn't sitting there thinking about like the history of labor or something like that you know what i mean like as far as like right. what what promoted the institution of slavery like he was like no this is just this is wrong and there's something there's something necessary about that. It's mm. not that is that's a kind of aspirational adolescence mm-hmm. that I would never want to lose for myself or for the country. It's the kind of adolescence that has taken hold in the country and the proportion of adolescence to it. It took, you know, it took last last bit of it and then I'll let because I know you're about to say something Stephen. So, the, it took, you know, LBJ to like actually muscle through the civil rights act. There yeah. was nothing like adolescent, but that guy was a mean motherfucker. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. he is who muscled through the civil rights act. So yeah. it takes both right now. Mm. We just, it feels like it is incredibly unbalanced in one direction. And I think that unbalance speaks to some unspoken things around what do adults do, you know, for people. And this is kind of what mm-hmm. it got excited mm-hmm. me about the idea of doing this as a podcast and kind of pulling it apart with you guys, because I was thinking, like I said, my father has a different sensibility. One generation ago, what a man does <laughs> and what a man is and how we're all supposed to take, you know, dress and act, of course, it's going to change. Mm. But I felt like our generation was the, the uh, Generation X was the first generation that I didn't see attaching themselves so blindly to a particular idea like sure there Mm. were different people that were doing that they were following what their parents did of course but then there was Mm. this not it was adolescence but it was something else it was there's something better here than that but we Mm. haven't figured it out yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's going to take us more generations to do it and i'm glad that you clarified and you nuanced the word adolescence because uh, um, immediately i went to imagination Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about imagination here? Are we talking about imagination with responsibility? Are we mm. talking about like is that mm. is that the promised land? Because mm. when because MLK comes out of a you know Baptist tradition and you're you know 
you're supposed to boil it down to these easy to swallow concepts. For me, it was more sophisticated than an adolescent. Or maybe adolescents can be sophisticated. I'm not sure. But I think that he knew I need to go to the heart of this. Are we talking about adolescence as imagination? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I I mean, there is something really kind of, you know, flat footed about the the way I was using adolescence. Of of course, yes, definitely we're talking about, I mean, about imagination and about the necessity of that. I mean, oftentimes we do associate the imagination with adolescence. I mean, adolescence is a kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of a liminal space, or uh, maybe I'm using adolescence too broadly, but you know, this sort of like this sort of liminal space in which you are reimagining or imagining yourself in the world before you've Mm -hmm. kind of settled into an adult role and you're Mm -hmm. kind of imagining the possibilities, you know, liminal spaces in traditional cultures often involve kind of mixed up sexualities and Mm. often involve cross-dressing and often involve like there's kind of a space around which people can play with their identity Mm. and then you know and then the adolescence ends and you've got to embrace the adult world you know or you know sometimes there are negative consequences for not fully embracing the adult world in traditional societies i don't want to go i mean that could be a whole podcast but we don't want to go too far down that road but mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there are there can be incredibly generative productive things about adolescence mm-hmm, absolutely but, mm-hmm. but if it's left to run amok if it is not ultimately channeled into mm-hmm. something more positive and engaging and edifying it can mm. be destructive. And if it's, it, ne- it's too just individual, that's the issue I have. It's not mm, communi- mm, community-based. Mm, mm, so mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's not edifying. It's just like, what about me? What mm. about me? So, <laughs> so this conversation is making me think about Holden Caulfield. Yeah. Catch your eye. Oh, yeah, my yeah, God, yeah, that yeah, liar. And I think about his, his real reticence to enter the adult world and his sort of imaginative capabilities. And he can, he can see himself being the quote unquote catcher in the ride. Like he can see himself being a sort of caretaker of children. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe someone who like manages to in an, in, in, in his adult life, like somehow stay a child by being around Mm -hmm. children all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of his dream, at least at that point in the, in the novel. And yeah, I, I see I see echoes of what you both have been saying in his story. In that, mm-hmm. there's something deeply, profoundly individual about Holden Caulfield, and he he has not yet figured out how to be in a community. I mean, clearly mm-hmm. he gets kicked out of his you know, you know the the, the, the school. school he's in because mm-hmm. he hasn't figured out how to be part of that community in a way that's useful to him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's a way in which the, the his imaginative capacities are there, they're present, but they're not really of use to a community yet. Like he hasn't mm-hmm. figured out a way to make mm. himself heard, or or to or to yes, to develop his own voice and make himself heard in a in a, in a community mm-hmm. in a way that's useful to him or anybody else. So mm. it feels like that story. Is very uh-huh. a very very American story. It's a very sort mm. of here's the crisis, and <laughs> we don't know what happens to the hero at the end of that crisis because he doesn't really seem to have a way forward. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a uh, it's 
it would be a great conversation to continue in another podcast, maybe on the same topic. But the the I, the role of adolescence in American, particularly male adolescence in American fiction. Mm. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. Leslie mm. Fielder, um, you know, uh, Love and Death in the American Novel or whatever. Like basically, he talks about kind of the prolonged adolescence of most sort of American protagonists and mm-hmm. novels. You know, Jake Barnes mm. and The Sun Also Rises. Like the there, there's always a reticence. For Ameri- for fictionalized American males to really come into their own as members, like kind of as responsible adults and members of their community, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I don't want, I don't want to go too far down that road, other than to say, like, yeah, like you know, absolutely fist bump. I'm completely on the same page. I think Holden Caulfield is a great example of both sides of that. There's a reason that The Catcher in the Rye mm-hmm. captured something so essential mm-hmm. in you know in sort of in, in the american mind that it i mean it's you know was required reading for you know mm-hmm. 30 I mean, that's sort of shifting mm-hmm. now but mm-hmm. for decades and decades mm-hmm. um and there is and something yes yeah i mean you know there's there's something adolescent about in monastic communities about retreating from the world mm-hmm. to go like mm-hmm. to go navel gaze or mm-hmm. to go contemplate the mysteries of christ or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. it is right i mean so, uh, yes, absolutely, there is something incredibly productive and incredibly powerful and elemental in that adolescence that gets tapped into. But like every element, if it is unleashed and is not uh, and is not controlled, it is destructive. And here's the and here's the poster boy for that: Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle yeah. Rittenhouse, who trains on an AR-15, crosses yeah. state lines to go. Do whatever in a protest mm-hmm. ends up shooting and killing. To do good. So, what? do you know his full? Do you know his full story? I actually had just learned that. I just learned. So, he had spent the day. He had come across. He had spent the day like on these community projects, basically like cleaning up graffiti and doing all this kind of stuff. Like in his mind, mm-hmm. what he was doing was righteous. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. coming to help these you know these businesses these people that the that in his mind the police had retreated from protecting mm, right and mm-hmm. so like to to be clear his story is way more complicated than it is normally um mm, than is normally reported. talked about on social media yeah exactly so there were other shots fired that night he was attacked by people multiple times before any sh- before he had fired at anyone mm, he was attacked mm. by people like so it's far more complicated than that. Mm. It clearly it also plugs directly into sort of the way that whiteness has distorted the American, mm. like a certain segment of the American imagination, mm. and what he thought he was protecting and who he thought he was protecting that from. Mm. Like mm. clearly, all of that is like mixed up and and tragic. But Kyle Rittenhouse is a great example, a mm. great example of that. Yeah, it sounds like we need it. to have. Uh, sorry, Stephen. It just feels like we need to have a whole conversation about that because I didn't know. I haven't. I have really haven't followed much of that story at all. Uh, to be honest, I think. Well, one, I'm really freaking busy, but also, it's the kind of thing that I looked at for, via Twitter or, or, or uh, post on Google News, and I thought. This is a rabbit hole that is going to take a while for me mm-hmm. to navigate, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's going to be all of it's going to be sad. So I don't think I was like emotionally prepared to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's awesome to know that about yourself, right? To know that because you could just turn tail and just I don't I don't want to deal with this, you know. 
it's good to know how much you can consume and when and how. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely right. So is that a good place for us to stop? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it has to be now that you said that. I, mean, I certainly can't. I can't be like, no. I feel like we're just getting going. What are you talking about? Like, hey, we have thirty more minutes. Um, so shut, later shut on, the Caulfield, Catcher in the Rye. I like to bring that up, or maybe within the context of American literature, or maybe we have some other examples as well. Yeah, and talk well, about like how the next podcast. How to, yeah, let's just talk. We'll do the next podcast. We'll continue Teenage Nation, and we'll we'll move into like some actual literary characters, and maybe. Now I'm blanking on his name. We were just Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Kyle Rittenhouse. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, the Beats. Be I got to bring up the Beats, and I got to bring up some uh, other people. Oh, yes. oh Ginsburg. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Bring up some. Yeah, got to bring mean, up the Beats. Ginsburg definitely. liked adolescence a little too much, but you know we could. we could. You know we could. We right. could dissect that as well. Right. So, absolutely. Uh, right, right, right. So great conversation, right, cool. guys. Right. Yeah. Take care.